Welcome to Real Estate Real Relationships. I'm your host, Nora Lynch-Smith. I believe in building relationships in our real estate careers that expand our connections to make us better realtors and even better humans. I've been a practicing realtor for over 20 years, from agent to broker owner, and now including instructor and coach. I'll be sharing real talks with practitioners in the industry, from the boots on the ground agents to leaders in coaching, speaking, and education. Learn their best practices and what makes them win the relationship game of their lives. Get ready to be inspired and take action. Let's get started. Hello, this is Nora, and I am coming to you with Kelly Catalo from Cosmopolitan Real Estate in Medford, Massachusetts. And I'm delighted to introduce Kelly who is actually a broker owner and a CRS speaker and also very involved in leadership, which means, you know, national, state, or your local board level in realtor organizations. And also, full disclosure, she is co-chair with me for the New England Region RRC Residential Real Estate Council, which is basically part of the Certified Residential Specialist designation. So Kelly, welcome to Real Estate Real Relationships. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Thank you, Nora. Thanks for having me. Definitely my topic. <laughs> so I know when I thought of relationships in real estate, I definitely thought of you because I remember seeing you about a year and a half ago, and that's when we met really for the first time in Las Vegas at the National CRS slash RRC conference. And you gave just a phenomenal presentation on how relationships in your community that you've built and how that's built your business. So I'd love to ask you when you got started in real estate, how long you've been in real estate, what your brokerage firm looks like now, how long you've been a broker owner, and all the amazing things that you're doing in your community. So I have been a realtor since 1992. So living in the world that we're living in today, this is my third time on this roller coaster. And today we're actually, real time is April 19th. We are still in the middle of the coronavirus, COVID-19. It's been really still very different. We're called in Massachusetts because you practice in Medford, Mass. We are considered essential, but we still need to really practice safe practices and you know people are still all over the place on what they consider safe in my opinion but go ahead Kelly right right so when you when you think about what we're going through right now relationships matter and they're going to matter an awful lot more so we're also dealing with a world that we're expecting people to buy and rent property from a video and to email you money if they don't know you like you, trust you, you're not getting it. That deal is not getting closed. But if we go back to my real estate career in 1992, I knew three people. I didn't know anybody. And a lot of people find that shocking because right now I feel like I know everybody. I'm going to move to like a little small town in the middle of nowhere and hide away. But when I think back to my start in real estate, Tuesday night was cold call night. Do you want to sell your house? house. Do you want to sell your house? And I quickly found out that was not going to be for me because I I just didn't like it. I did not like doing that. I would know exactly when I was down the dumps, I knew who I could call and they'd sit on the phone with me for hours. They weren't selling their house, but they were being nice to me. So my children, my boys went to kindergarten. They went to a parochial school. 
And when you put your children in parochial school, you are now part of that community. And I very quickly rose up in that community because I was very good at fundraising. And that's what they need, right? Mm -hmm. So through that grew some relationships. And eventually I decided I'm not going to sit here and call people that I don't know. I don't want to do that. I want to go out and I want to meet people. So I ended up being PTO president. Then I joined my local Kiwanis club. And when I joined my Kiwanis club, it was because I needed to get out there and meet people because you need to know people in this business. So I've been a proud Kiwanian for over 20 years. And I love what we do in our community and the difference that we make. When I was president of that mother's club, they went from selling candy to having an auction that we made over $25,000 in one night. So I was very proud of that. And through that, I got a phone call one day from somebody and they said, I want you to come list my house. And it was one of the mothers at the school and it was in the most expensive neighborhood of Medford. And I didn't feel like I was good enough for that neighborhood. And I said to her, don't you want to see my marketing plan? And she was like, well, no, I'm all set, Callie. Why don't you come sell my house? And I'm like, okay, well, what helped you make that decision? And she says to me, you just sold a toy box for $1,400. I'm all good. (laughs) So through my volunteer work, I was also, they elected me charity auctioneer. So I all of a sudden became an auctioneer, but they saw my abilities to sell. And that sold them on wanting me to represent them in the sale of their home. And I would sell an awful lot of homes based on things that I did in my volunteer world and for my community that would come over. My Kiwanis group, if you ever want to be part of your community and you don't want to take the lead, just join your local Kiwanis group. So can you explain to me, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just did, what Kiwanis is? Because I think, you know, for example, I am not quite sure. I mean, of course, we've all heard of Kiwanis Club and all different types of clubs, Rotary, whatnot. But what exactly is the, the catch with Kiwanis Club? So Kiwanis is a international civic group. And probably about 40 years ago, you know, men would go to work and say, honey, I'm not coming home for dinner. I got Kiwanis. And they'd go all hang out together, raise a couple of bucks and help the kids in the community. My local Kiwanis club, which I'm so proud to say I was president of last year, we raise and donate over $50,000 a year back into our community. So everything that Kiwanis does is for the betterment of children. It's for the enrichment of children. It's for the protection of children. We used to have a national project to eradicate a childhood disease with salt, the lack of salt. That has grown into like one of the biggest projects we do in my city is we call it the literacy project. Every first and third grader in June, we go visit them and they all get a nice little Kiwanis backpack. And inside of that backpack is two brand new reading books to take home. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's cute. I was so touched the very first year that we did it. From the first child, they came up and pulled on my jacket and said, this is my very first book. Oh oh my gosh. Yes. Did not own any books of his own. It it meant a lot to him. And that has happened so many times during the the years. And we've been doing that project now for 15 years. And I could be down walking down in Medford Square and a parent with a child and the kid would say, mom, mom, that's her. She gave me brand new books. I'm a very big part of that project. I go, I'm the speaker. I engage the kids. But those books came from so many hardworking members of our organization. But being present is huge when you're building relationships, regardless of the age of the person that you're talking to. 
That's amazing. So how long have you been as a part of Kiwanis and how did you join? I didn't so, know we were going to talk about Kiwanis, but hey, let's go for it. This is a conversation. It, it, it's good though, because yeah. if you want to build relationships, you know, there's a couple of ways on building relationships. The easiest way is to join organizations that want you. People that are looking for volunteers, they will go out of their way to make you included and to make sure that you're utilized if they really believe in their goal. So we all belong to different groups that there's people there that, no, we don't want you here. We don't want you to do this because they're not there for the right reason. But if you find the right group with enough people that are there for the right reason, you're going to be home. And I often call it my Kiwanis family because it's very much like another family to me. And if it's a message that really resonates with you, better, of course, right? Absolutely. So everything that we do is for kids. I didn't have the best childhood, so I will do anything to help a child, anything I could possibly do. The amount of money that we give out in college scholarships is amazing. But what's even more amazing is I am the liaison for our key club, which is our high school program. And the amount of kids that I meet through different events in the city and I'm sitting there saying, get your application. Let me help you fill it out. And you feel like you're making a difference for them. If you ever want to feel inspired, impress a child. That's great. So is a key club related to Kiwanis? It is. I did so not the, know that. Okay. The key club is the high school version of Kiwanis. So they are sponsored by Kiwanis International. And they are high schoolers. And key came from when they first started it. It was the key kids of the school. So maybe the kids that were very involved, the honor students, whatever it may be. Today, we welcome every child who wants to volunteer. You're welcome to be part of it. And what they do in that school is all student-driven. This year, I was so excited to hear we're going to go Christmas caroling to raise money to create food baskets, and then we're going to bring them to the families and the elderly that need them which is huge. How inspiring is that? That is amazing. And how long have you been a part of Kiwanis? More than 20 years. So, okay, more than 20 years. And did you reach out to them or did somebody reach out to you? No. So I originally wanted to be part of Rotary. Do you want to hear that story? I do actually. This okay. is, I never knew that this is where it's going, but you know what? It's all about relationships and how you build relationships. And here we go. I think this is fabulous. So we talk about people belonging to an organization for the right reasons right? So my owner broker at the time, and I won't tell you who it was, belonged to Rotary. And so when I decided I was no longer going to be cold calling and I was starting to make my plan on how I was going to join all these groups and get to know real life people. And I came up with, I was going to join a civic organization. I went to him. I says, by the way, I would like to be a member of Rotary. So if you could please sponsor me. And he says to me, sit down. And he had a photo of all their members. And you had to see it, it was like something out of the men's club. The chairs. <laughs> it was quite interesting. And he says to me, do you see any women in that photo? No. And he says, well, I'm not going to be the first one to bring one in either. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? Well, and this is 20 years ago. This is, no. yeah, it was 21 years ago. And it's okay because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a feminist. I'm nothing like that. I want to go places where I'm wanted. I want to be around people that want me there. Mm -hmm. When I first joined Kiwanis, I was the sixth female member. And there was probably like 40 men. So it's okay. We all got to grow and expand our lives. 
but I'm going to spend time where my time is well spent. Kudos to you, Madam President. I love it. That's great. So with Kiwanis, do you feel that that really helped parlay your real estate career? Because if you've been doing it for 20 years, you've been in the real estate field since 1992. That's quite a while too. What are things that you would take for our audience here for takeaways on building even more in your community? Because I know, was it Community Driven Realtor or Community? What was the name of the? Oh, the Community Driven Realtor. That's the program that you came to. So here's the whole thing. I didn't go join Kiwanis saying, geez, it'll bring me business. Mm -hmm. I joined Kiwanis so I could meet more people, right? Because if I met more people, I would expand my own world. And by expanding my world, maybe it would bring me more business. Now, first of all, we have three realtors. We have five bankers. You know, you can't join an organization like that saying, I'm just doing it for the money. If you do anything just for the money, it will backfire in your face. People will smell you a mile away. And even I feel like using, I hate it when people use the roster and the list and the address book and people can smell that out too. I've had different organizations I've been involved in and people will call me and say, I can't believe so-and-so definitely must have used the address book or, you know, the private information that should not have been shared to reach out. Now. Or, you know, solicit business. But here's what I find though, Nora, and I think that you're the same way. When you live your life with a servant's heart, whatever's supposed to come to you will. If you mm-hmm. go out into the world and, you know, I have three children. I raise them all for this business. You know, I'm very grateful for what I've been able to do. I'm a single mom. But when I look at what I did for my children and I look at our business and I look at how I was able to do it all and roll it all together... That takes planning and it takes skill, but the biggest part is building relationships. And most people just don't know how to do it. There are some people, and I'll give you a great example. So I just ran our city's inauguration. I was asked by our new mayor, absolutely, I'll do it. And we had the best party in town. But at this event, you know, at the reception, this person that's running for office, she had one goal and it was written all over her face. She wanted to talk to me. She wanted me to come do something for her to help her. She was like a bull in a china shop. Did I ever talk to her? No. No. No, You're not going to. You know what I mean? So if you're going to be that self-serving, people don't want to be around you. There is an art to building relationships and you have to build it with the other person in mind. So if you're not there to, you know, what's in it for me? You know, WIFM radio. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And if you're not there for a purpose for them, Most people are not so giving to build relationships with you. They're very particular about their circles and they tend to keep them small. You know, last week you went to um, Jack Cotton, right? Luxury real estate. And probably one of the top things that he taught you is how to go befriend those people that buy and sell luxury real estate and how to build relationships with them, right? Right. With other realtors. It was a great class. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was a great CRS class that we offer. But I look at the same thing with no matter, you know, somebody said to me one time, Cal, you're everywhere. And you are, I mean, you are involved. No, I mean, just, can I just brag a little bit or how and I am? And I'm not really, I'm really not just saying this. I mean, between I saw the inauguration, pieces of the different marathons that you're running and road races, and not only in your own community of where you live and where you serve, right? but also within leadership. And when I say leadership, 
one of the things that as part of this podcast I wanted to really highlight was leadership in the real estate industry and realtor organizations, but being on the, the local and the state and the national boards. And I, I'd love to learn a little bit about that too, but even just your road races and how you parlayed your passion for running, which I wish was a passion of mine. <laughs> And parlay that into even running for the NAR when it was in Boston. Was it a year and a half ago? And doing that whole road race. You talk about my passion for running. That's not why I started these road races. (laughs) So what actually happened. All right. So let's talk about my company. So 1998, I was at ERA. I left there in 2003. I went to Remax. I went through two Remax offices. And then in 2008, long story shot, I end up when the market was flat out, taking over a vacant office and a chain of rental offices. And I said to the guy, I don't do rentals. He says, right now, nobody's doing anything, Cal. So we went in there and I literally turned the switch on and we turned the heat up. And, you know, that was making a ton of money very quickly. He would die a few months later. So nine months in, all of a sudden, you know, we got to pivot again. And what are we going to do? Thought I was going back to Remax. However, I started getting phone calls from all these people. I'll give you office space, somebody else. I'll give you furniture. I think you should name it this. I want to help you do this. All these people in my world who I wouldn't say that I had big relationships with them. They knew me. They knew what I did for my community, or maybe I did something for them. I wasn't looking for anything to come back, but that's how Cosmopolitan Real Estate opened. And a year later, my son would get very sick. Mm. So when we opened, we went up to 27 agents very quickly. A year later, I'm sitting in Children's Hospital. I am Skyping my office meetings. I am sending checks back and forth. Anybody who's had a child overnight at Children's Hospital will relate to, I said, when I tell you that I slept in the window. I ran my company from that window. I ran it on Skype. This was back in 2010. And it was not this big digital world that we have right now. So over the course of the next year, I would decide what was important to me. And I scaled my company back to six agents. I moved them to this 700 square foot space in Medford Square. We had over 2,000 square feet on Mystic Ave before. And you start taking what's important to you. Well, probably about nine months after Josh got sick, I was doing a flyer for a Kiwanian charity event that we do taste of Italy. And he was very, not in a good mood. He's got a lot of digestive issues. And he's like, why can't you do a fundraiser to fix me? Like as a mom, are you not like ready to cry? I know. I have like the chills on my arms right now. You will do anything to inspire your child and to give them hope. And in that moment, my child needed hope more than he needed medicine. I said, we're going to do a fundraiser to help those that help you. So when I looked at the calendar, There was no St. Patrick's Day fundraiser in my city. When I looked at all the different types of fundraising that I'd done, I've done the auctions, the raffles, the $10,000. I've, you know, raffled a car. I've done everything. And the one thing that wasn't being done in my community, there was only one road race. and It was actually a walk. So I said, we're going to do a road race. There's not one here. We'll do that. You know, why not? That's how the road racing fundraisers started. And that was for Children's Hospital specifically or... Yes. So all the money always goes to Children's Hospital. It is running of the leprechauns. Fast forward from there, the the runners that we've met, the people that we've met, the families, the children, you know, a lot of families will come out and support the event as a family event. 
because the money is going to Children's Hospital. You know, maybe one or two people in a family started out coming one year, and now they bring 20 people with them. You know, unfortunately, this year we got canceled due to coronavirus literally four days before our race, but mm. it's okay. We will run again. Uh, we're going to do the mulligan, and the we will get we're a mulligan, and we will get that done. In the meantime, when I was in high school, I did run track, and I did run cross country, and I Thanks for letting me be part of the team. I was that person. You know what I mean? I wasn't the person that placed her. I placed once in four years. I was so excited. But they let me be part of the team. And that's all any of us really want is we want to be part of the team. We want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We really want interaction with other human beings. Like, I don't know about you, Nora. I'm dying. I am dying with coronavirus because I love people. I love being around them. I love talking to them. I am a hugger. When we talk about relationships, being next to people and being around other people is the easiest way to form a relationship. But now we're taking it online. How are people forming relationships online? And are they using the same tools? I've got a high school junior, as do you. And I'm noticing his teacher's that are used to teaching person to person. Now they're teaching through a gazillion different platforms. Like I'm ready to quit. I- I'm quitting homeschooling. Can I quit? Can I go on strike? I'm parents on strike. Yeah, my permission I'm to graduate everyone early. I am done. You know what? We're, we're, we're on vacation until we go back to school. But the teachers are having a tough time with it too, because They are used to -to person-to-person interaction with these kids. Now, they're communicating via email or posting on Google Classroom or whatever. And I'm looking at some of these things, and it's it's the size of a textbook page. They're not going to read it. They're kids. They don't want to go figure out what you're trying to say, and I know that you're having a problem saying it. So the art of communication is another big factor in building relationships. If you're not communicating, the way that the other person can hear you. Did somebody ever say to you, I know that you're talking, but I can't hear you. Hmm. That is part of building relationships. And again, putting the other person first, put their needs first. How can they react and respond the way that you want them to, if you're not communicating the way that they process? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I think a lot of this, I love Anthony Robbins. Do you? Of course, you know that. Oh, Tony Robbins person. I've done Walking on the Fire. I've done Date with Destiny twice. My husband was platinum. Oh, my gosh. So So, I'm going to grab something. Hold on in here. Okay. I grab it without me even going to look inside. We're going to dye it within. It's, It's all yellowed and everything, too. And the binder is broken. I've read it so many times. However... A lot of the relationship skills that I've taught myself, because again, there was a time where I knew nobody. A lot of it goes back to neuro-linguistic programming, which is in his- NLP. Mm-hmm. Right, NLP. Who else there? Mel Robbins. Same thing. It's like she's got the same program out there. Five, <laughs> four, three, two, one, and you're done. Well, when you think about Tony Robbins and you think about what he's been able to accomplish, did he make something? No. Did he discover something that nobody else knew? No. He took the art of human behavior and he created ways that any human being could copy it and excel in their life, right? 
So all he's done is he's broken them down for them. And he was able to get people to accept what he said as being the truth, right? How did, exactly. he, do it? How did he do it? It's the art of the relationship. It's the art of communicating so they can hear you and that they want to accept you and they want to know you, like you, trust you. And, and act person. on it. I mean, he's a master marketer too, just master marketer. And he has... It's and put things into action, as I talk about in one of my mentors, Michelle Sora, who I met through Tony Robbins and one of his programs. And it's, you know, inspired action, taking inspired action. Yes. I think that you need to inspire people before they'll take action. Like how many times have you gone to any event and that person may be extremely well educated or that person may have this great track record or something they are not the person to be on that stage because they can't inspire other people to take action. They can't inspire other people to copy what they did. Exactly. Speaking about being on stage, because you have been on stage, how you've built relationships in the volunteer positions you've served in your industry. So obviously you've served as in your community at Kiwanis, but then within our leadership positions in, like I said earlier, local, state, and national boards. So I was the president of council G&H of the Residential Association of Realtors, which is now the Greater Boston Association of Realtors. Back in 1998, I was a member of the Greater Boston Real Estate Board, the board of directors. I have been awarded the Good Neighbor Award from both the Greater Boston Association of Realtors and the Mass Association of Realtors. I am a director on the Mass Association of Realtors. I'm on my third year. I'm very excited about that. And I am also a member of the National Association of Realtors leadership team as a member of the Members Conference Committee. Mm -hmm. So I have met people from all over the world. And again, you sit down at a table with somebody or you jump on a call with somebody that does not forge a relationship. However, when you can validate that person, let that person's ideas rise before yours and then back them up, everyone wants to be your friend. Exactly. And those are good ideas. We don't back up bad ideas, only the good ideas. But, you know, I always like to say I lead from behind. I will rise up anybody else ahead of me. I like to just organize it. I like organization. It's very important to me. But Go take the mic, go, t- go take the lead. Whatever you need to do to be you, go do that because together we're going to create something great. Somebody said to me the other day, so when we talk about um, building relationships right now in Corona world, everything's online. So many people are out there and they're, people are, as human beings, are very easy to be like down in the dumps and gloomy, right? Exactly, yes. Very easy, so easy to just say, oh, no, it's not any good. Me, on the other hand, I'm noticing a lot of businesses in my town and around me who did not get their SBA money, their PPP money, or their EIDL money, yet they're reading these big, you know, news stories about these massive companies that got money. So everybody's out there and they're spreading all this negativity. I had this Facebook group already formed called the Women's Business Network. It was just kind of sitting there. I says, it's time to reform it. And I call it the small business network. I took all those people and I added them into the group. They can complain if they want, but now they're in a group. They're not in the general public. However, what I said is we're all small businesses. Let's help each other. 
And the more I started empowering them, validating their concerns, giving them other places where they can get some grant money like Facebook or the the city municipality money that's coming out and things like that, people felt like I was serving them. I just keep giving to them. I am not expecting anything in return. However, inherently human behavior, when somebody mentions the word real estate, they're going to say, go call Kelly. Exactly. I don't have to expect it. It's just going to happen. I mean, it doesn't, it's okay. If it doesn't happen, it's okay. I do what I do because that makes me feel good. Right. And when you lead from, I'm here to serve, I'm here to help, I'm here to serve. That always is going to come back. It might not come back right away, but if it really you're leading from the heart and you're leading from a good place of being here to serve, that always, always comes back. So I think that's fabulous. What has been your favorite position so far in leadership in real estate and organizations? And where do you see leadership helping Realtor members? You asked me what my favorite was. So this is okay. Conference. It's my favorite thing that I've done for the National Association of Realtors. When they came to Boston two years ago, it was the first time they've been in Boston for their conference since 1929. And they wanted to do a road race and they wanted to do it in Boston. Actually, one of the people thought that it would be okay that he could easily get a permit to block down Boylston Street. I says, they only do that one day a year. It's not going to happen. However, I says, absolutely, I'm going to help. And for those that don't know about closing down Boylston, that's the finish line of the Boston Marathon. But go ahead. <laughs> it is huge and it's so busy in all our stores and our restaurants in there. And it's a, it's a fabulous place to be. If you come to Boston, you're going to go down there, go to Copley Square, enjoy yourself. Being part of that race and actually being the boots on the ground to organize that race and the race director and getting everything approved. And then also being that personality that was behind that Facebook page to get all the realtors excited to get them on board. We had 2,500 realtors signed up for the race by the beginning of September. The staff at NAR was afraid that they wouldn't, you know, be able to manage the shirts and the medals and everything. So they decided to close registration down then. But had we gone all the way to the day of the conference, we probably would end up with about 4,000. But then let's fast forward to the day of the run. It poured buckets. It was like this massive rainstorm. Yes. I remember, but I did not go. (laughs) I was on the common at 3.30 to meet the race director, to meet the police and everybody else. I was soaking wet. I was up to my knees in mud. But the most inspiring thing was, When I started posting on Facebook, get down here. We're going to put you in the garage. It's good. And the buses started showing up. I was afraid nobody was coming. They poured in. The first group of people, I'm going to tell you, that showed up, I found two women that got there somehow by themselves. And they had their boxes in their little trolley. And I didn't know what they were doing. And I said, hi, can I help you? And they go, Team Florida's in the house. And it was so inspiring, Nora. That's all I needed. It was game on because when realtors show up, they show up in force. 
And ironically, the money that we were raising that day was to support people in this country that have been devastated by national disaster. The Realtors Relief Foundation was founded the day after 9-11. They poured millions of dollars into New York City within two days to pay people's rent, to pay their mortgage, to feed the people. You know, they don't just help the realtors, they help everybody. You know, when um, Louisiana had the big hurricanes and all the houses were leveled, Realtors from all over this country dropped everything, flew there and picked up a hammer. Even though we're not really good with hammers, we figured it out. You know, when you think about all the terrible things that have happened. So, you know, Elizabeth Mendenhall was the president. And I said to her, I need you under that 10 minutes of eight. And I need you to make a speech. She's like, only if you go with me. That is leadership. That is leadership to come from behind and say, only if you go with me. And when Elizabeth took that mic, and she is the kindest woman I've ever met, and she's inspiring in her own ways and what she does and what she says to people. And she turned around and said, if it wasn't for natural disasters, would we be here? Right? Like we're running. She said in better words. I can't remember the words, but we're going to go run in the pouring rain to help people that hit disaster mm-hmm. with no, no home, no family, no nothing. What's left for them, right? The realtors that day raised over $160,000, which was amazing. I told you 2,500 signed up, right? 1,560 runners showed up plus the people that showed up just to watch it. And miraculously, the race was supposed to start at eight o'clock. Miraculously, at like 7.59, the rain stopped, the sun came out for 40 minutes. That's amazing. It was an amazing day. It was just like, to watch these people, and a lot of them had never walked a 5K, never mind run a 5K. And to, you know, I, I changed my clothes, I changed my sneakers, I ran with everybody. My job's done. I ran with everybody. And then to come back and to watch people crossing that finish line, to watch the 80-year-old man who was, you know, going to walk it. He was going to get there and he was the last person to finish in my world, racing over till everybody crossed the finish line. That's awesome. Kelly, that's phenomenal. And I'll have to have you back on talking more about the Realtor Relief Fund and RPAC perhaps. I think that would be great just as a whole separate, you know, half hour conversation about that because it wasn't until recently that, and actually how I met you through another organization with Lee Brown and her speaker boot camp and how... I really didn't get our pack. So we'll have to discuss that another time, another date, another channel. But I think that'll be great to discuss that. Kelly, how about um, you leaving all your handles, your Instagram, your Facebook, and where you're located and how to reach you? So Kelly Catalo, Medford, Massachusetts. And that's the other great thing about building relationships. Always tell people that you've got a first name and a last name. When they say, where are you from? You're from a city and you're from a state. So people will always remember the information you choose to give them. How many times, Nora, have you met somebody and they, and they say to you, hey, I'm Tom. <laughs> hey, Tom, where are you from? Well, I live on Main Street. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I know. I even on my Instagram posts for, you know, different properties, I still do put comma Massachusetts because not, you know, I have a lot of different people that follow me and other realtors from around the country. And I like to put, Sherborne or Wellesley, comma, Massachusetts. So they know where exactly you are. Exactly. 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 You know, we're, we're both so lucky to know so many realtors throughout this country. I always tell people, it doesn't matter where you want to move. I have a realtor there for you. 
Mm-hmm. That's great. And so what's um, the best email, the phone number? Cosmopolitan Real Estate. We are at 23 Salem Street in historic Medford Square. Paul Rivera will be riding through tomorrow. My phone number is 339-221-5412. Our website is cosmopolitanrealestate.net. And you can always email me, kelly at cosmopolitanrealestate.net. And I would think that if you ha- anybody has any questions about Kiwanis or Children's Hospital and raising money or the Leprechaun Run for the Mulligan year next year for- on St. Patrick's Day, they can reach out to you and get more information. And of course, if you're wanting to buy or sell in Medford or around that area, reach out to Miss Kelly Catalo. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nora. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Real Estate Relationships Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe and review the show. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at realestaterelationships.com. That's real, R-E-A-L for relationships. Or at noralynchsmith.com. Thanks so much for listening.